Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for tuning in to another podcast from your host, the Cajun Demonologist. Today we're going to talk about attachments, and the reason we're going to talk about attachments is because today alone I have received two messages from Facebook and a phone call from someone that claims they have a demonic attachment. Okay, so the first thing about demonic attachments is that I need to make perfectly clear is that demons do not just show up in your life. I don't care what anybody tells you. I have been doing this for a long time, and I will tell you that demons have to be invited into your life. And I'm going to say this again. Demons have to be invited into your life. They do not just show up. They have certain rules that they must abide by. Now, how does one invite a demon into their life? Well, it's quite simple. Either you dabbled in witchcraft, you've dabbled in the occult, You've messed with a Ouija board. You went on a paranormal investigation and you started asking questions to what you perceive to be a spirit or a ghost and you got personal. You asked this spirit or entity personal questions about yourself. Well, you have put your guard down and you have invited this spirit or entity into your space into your life. That is how you get an attachment. That is how you invite a demonic entity into your life. Which means that you have done it with your own free will. That is very important to understand. I cannot tell you how many times Time and time again, people will contact me claiming to have a demonic attachment. When I talk to them, I ask them, well, what did you do to invite this thing into your life? What do you mean? I didn't do anything to invite it into my life. That is BS. You done something somewhere along the line to invite this thing into your life. Now, the first step is, if you can't be honest with me and tell me what you've done in the past that could have opened that door for this entity to come into your life, I can't help you. Because the key of spiritual warfare is understanding where that entry point happened. And you have to go through a set of rituals and close that door verbally. Okay, so look, if you having an issue, say you've done something, you play with a Ouija board, you got personal with a spirit, all right, and you're having uh, what you perceive to be an attachment, and you reach out for help. Well, understand that no one can help you until you are honest with yourself. That is very important. We have to take responsibility for the things that we have done in our life. Now, it's just like a friend. You meet a friend. Well, you 
invite that friend into your life with your own free will. Same concept applies here. There's no way that this thing just sees you walking down the road and say, oh, I think I want to haunt this person. That does not happen. You know, if you go back through history and different mythology throughout the ages and different religions, all of them will tell you that you have to invite these things into your life. They do not just show up. Perfect example of this is, let's just use vampires for an example, just to show you how folklore has an origin of truth. Now, we all know that vampires have to be invited into your home, correct? Well, that concept comes from demonic entities because vampires are said to be demonic entities. Okay, so all of these myths, legends, folklores that you hear, you know, wise tales throughout history, they all have a point of origin, okay? And voila, there you go. What more do you need to convince yourself that you are the ones that is in control of your life? You invite what you want into your life. Now, the problem is, a lot of people, especially in today's world, you know, because the paranormal is such a big thing right now. And a lot of that is because of television and what the viewer sees on television. But I will tell you this, from being a paranormal investigator and being on television myself, I will tell you that I am very, very careful any time that I try to communicate with a spirit, I am never, ever going to ask personal questions about myself. You will never see or hear me do that. Whether it's a television show, whether it's a paranormal event that I'm attending somewhere or whatever, you will never hear me get personal with the spirit. And number two I don't know if you've ever watched Ghost of Morgan City, but if you watch that show and you look at my demeanor when I address a spirit, I take full authority of that situation. The way my demeanor is, the way I ask the questions, I do not leave any room for error because I know what happens when you invite these things into your life. They will destroy your life from within. That is what they do. And it's also important to understand this. Now, a lot of people are claimed they go on a paranormal investigation and a demon follows them home. Number one, let me make this clear. Demons do not haunt places. They haunt people. That's what they want to do. A demon's goal is to gain possession of someone. They do not haunt places. There is one exception to this. Now, the exception would be that somebody done a satanic ritual or conjures something up and they bind it or bound it to 
an object or a place. Now, this is common within Satan worshiping, okay? Now, what they do is these people, they get into a circle and they do a set of rituals and they conjure these things up. But these Satanists are not crazy. They're not stupid. They know what they're doing. They will bind these entities to something for their protection because they know that if this thing thinks that it can get the upper hand, it's going to try. And they are a hell of a lot smarter than we are. So you have to be very, very careful. Now, with that being said, if you go to a haunted location where this took place, okay, and there is a demonic entity that is trapped in this home, it's not going to follow you because it's trapped in that home for a reason, now, if you happen to buy a home where something like this took place and this entity is bound to this home, yes, you will have a haunting that will happen in that home or what we would call an infestation. Okay. Now, I have dealt with this personally. Not too long ago, I had a case in the town that I live in. This couple bought their dream home, beautiful two-story home. And they got this house really, really cheap. They didn't ask questions of why the house was so cheap. All they knew is it was their dream home and they could afford it. So they purchased the house. Immediately after moving into the house, the wife started seeing things. Well, first she started feeling a very uneasy feeling. And she didn't want to be in the house. She didn't know why, but she just did not feel comfortable in the house. Now, as time goes on, a few weeks in, she starts seeing things out the corner of her eye. They would leave to go to town. They would come back to the home. All the cabinets in the kitchen would be open. This happened almost every time they would leave the house. Now, she would tell her husband that she was seeing things, and he shrugged it off because he is like most men. Most men don't want to believe in something that they cannot see. That's just the nature of a man. However, women are more open to the paranormal in general. They sense things a lot easier than men do. So, it got to the point to where this entity started attacking her when no one was around. Now, let me explain to you what's happening here. So, when this entity was bound to this house and this couple moves into this new home, you have what you call an infestation, which means that the entity is in the home. You're going to have all the signs of a haunting. However, demonic hauntings or infestations seems to get really aggressive over time. And what this entity is doing is he's kind of filling out the family to try to find out who is going to be the easiest prey. The person that has the weakest will. So whenever this entity figures out who has the weakest will in the family, then it's going to try to 
oppress that person. So that's when a demonic haunting goes from an infestation to an oppression. Now, what happens at the time of oppression? That means that this entity is no longer haunting the home. He's haunting a person in particular. All right, he's going to attach himself to this person. Now, let's understand, this is not possession. This is an attachment at this point, okay? Now, this is where an attachment can happen without inviting an entity into your life because that entity was already there. It has a right to be there. Just like an entity has to have a right to be in your life, well, if that entity has a right to be in that space or that home, well, then that opens the door for this entity to try to possess someone, but it doesn't happen overnight. There are certain rules that this thing must abide by to be able to gain possession. So what it's going to do is now that it's oppressing a certain person, in this case, in particular, the wife. So it got to the point to where she started being distant from the family. Okay, she stayed off to herself. She was really quiet. She said she would hear voices in her head, things like that. Well, you know, then the next thing you know, she's constantly fighting with the husband. Now, it's important to understand this. What's happening here? Okay, well, if you listen to any of my other podcasts, then you will know that energy feeds off of energy. So positive energy is going to feed off of positive energy, but negative energy is going to feed off of negative energy. So this entity is pure negative energy, okay? So when it attaches itself to this person, it starts manipulating their mind. Their thoughts start to become very dark, distance. They start thinking about things that they normally would not think about. See, and this is one way to be able to catch, you know, whether you are being oppressed by something or not, because if you are, you're going to have thoughts that are not your own. This thing is feeding negative thoughts in your mind. It's building negative energy within you is what it's doing. That is how it's fighting the battle. It is a spiritual battle. You fight spiritual battles with energy. Okay? So positive energy and negative energy. It's going to feed off of itself. I don't care how you look at it, up, down, sideways, whatever. They energy is going to feed off of energy. Okay. So... When this entity starts taking control of someone's thoughts and is feeding all of these thoughts into someone's head, a lot of times it may be of suicide, it may be of murder, it may be of pure hatred. And that's what was happening here. It was getting to where the wife hated the husband and the kids for that matter. Now, this is a woman that absolutely loved her kids, but this is how powerful this can be. It could convince you that you hate your kids. Everyone is plotting against you. So what happens whenever someone is experiencing this? They isolate themselves. 
They start living in their own little world. They don't want to have any human connection with anyone else. They don't want to speak to anyone else. They want to just stay alone by themselves. And that is the worst thing that could possibly happen. So this entity now has this person completely isolated away from her family. All right. And all she's doing is building this negative energy, just building negative energy, building negative energy until this entity has completely broken this person's will. Okay. Now it's also important to understand when you get to the end stages of oppression, this entity at this point has a foothold on you, okay? His, his foot is halfway in that door. So what he's going to do is he's going to use what is most valuable to you against you. The thing that you love the most, it is going to use against you. I've had cases where an entity would use children. Now, let me explain something to you about children. Children that hasn't been through puberty yet, for the most part, they're what you call, they're guarded by the blood of Christ, which means that this entity cannot attach themselves to these people. They cannot oppress them. They cannot possess them, okay, because they are not to the point in maturity to where they can invite these things willingly into their life. However, they will use these children against you, okay? There's been cases that I've experienced where I call it jumping. It's where an entity will temporarily take full control of a person. It, it is different than possession, okay? It's where it would seem like someone is under possession. They'll start talking, you know, like, I hate you. You know, we are stronger than God now. Things like that. Now, what it is doing it is it is breaking your will. It's breaking that last straw, so to speak, until you completely give in. Again, it is going to use what you love the most against you. I'm going to say this again. It is going to use what you love the most against you. Now, it's going to get to the point to where it's messing with your kids. It killed your dog or your cat or your hamster. All your goldfish are dead. Everything just keeps happening. All right. And you know at this point, you know at this point that you are being oppressed by something. There is something within you that is not right. You know this. There's no way to deny it. People that go under possession, 90% of them know they are under possession. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. All right. So what happens is it's going to mess with the things that you love the most. It is going to completely isolate you, break you physically, spiritually, and mentally. Until it comes to the point to where you give in and you invite this entity to possess you. Because this entity cannot possess you unless... You give it permission to. Well, damn, that just sounds crazy, doesn't it? But it is true. Now, the second question is you're going to say, well, who in the hell in their right mind would give this entity permission to possess them? Well, it's quite simple, actually, because one, you just want it to stop. Number two, you want it to stop messing with your family. All right, it's done 
took, you know, killed your dog, you know, killed your cat, your goldfish, your hamster, whatever, you know, your children are going under what you think could be a possession where they're talking all this gibberish nonsense, pure hatred, they're bursting out in temper tantrums, and you don't know why. But you do know why. You know exactly what's going on. So in order to get it to stop, you say, do whatever the hell you want to do with me, but leave my family alone. Guess what? You just completed its mission because now it's going to merge from oppression to possession. At that point, when you say out loud, do whatever the hell you want to do to me, but leave my family alone. Bingo. It's going to make entry at that point. Now, let's get to the point of possession. So, you've given in. You are now under possession. Now, most people, when they think of possession, they think that a demon has control of this person 24-7. That is not true. Okay, because this demon still has to gain strength over time to completely take over your soul and who you are, take over your body, so to speak. Okay, so when you go through the first stages of possession, there's three different stages. There's the beginning stage, then there's possession, then there's what you call perfect possession. That is when the entity pretty much has complete control of your life in the physical sense and the spiritual sense. But again, this does not happen overnight. So let's go to the beginning stages of possession. Now, if you ever been around somebody that has schizophrenia or bipolarism, okay, possession is a lot like schizophrenia or bipolarism. All right. A lot of times from an untrained eye, it's almost impossible to distinguish the two because they mimic one another very, very closely. However, as a trained demonologist that has actually studied theology and studied demonology, not by just watching a couple of videos, but actually dug down deep and studied and truly be able to call themselves a demonologist, they know that there are certain things that you can do to try to distinguish the two. And I'm going to give you a perfect example. And by no means am I telling you to try this on your own. Because let me tell you something. When an entity knows that it has been discovered, it's going to lash out. Okay, perfect example. I've had a gun pulled on me before and someone was determined to blow my head off. All right, that's how dangerous it can be. Yes, everybody always says, man, it's great. I just want to be a demonologist. How can I get into it? And I always tell them, are you insane? There's no way you could possibly want to get into this field because once you open that door, there is no going back. Now, let me explain to you. Um, all right, so let me just use a particular case. So they had this woman. She lived in Mississippi. And, you know, she claimed that she had a demonic entity that was attached to her. 
Okay, now, this girl's done a lot of stuff in her past that opened that door for this entity to come into her life. All right, now, it was hard to figure out where the source was. When did it come into her life? But anyway, that's besides the point. Let's get to the point of how I was able to identify that we were dealing with a true demonic entity and not someone that has a mental illness. All right, so I was interviewing her. And I was sitting at a table, and she was sitting across me. And I was asking a series of questions, which is what I always do, because I want to dig deep within this person's subconscious so I can figure out, is it a mental illness or is it something more? So one thing that I noticed was she didn't have any shoes on. She was sitting at the kitchen table barefoot. So I had the bright idea. I told her I was going to bless the house to see if this actually worked. However, I told her that I did not want her in the house whenever I blessed the house. So I had her go outside and I closed all the blinds and I had some of my team members stand by the windows to keep an eye on them and see what they were doing. Okay, well, they wasn't paying no attention to what I was doing in the house. They were outside smoking a cigarette. Um... So what I'd done was, I didn't actually bless the house at all. What I'd done was, I took some holy water, and I rubbed it on the floor where her feet was. And I waited until that holy water dried. Then I invited them back into the house, back to the kitchen table where we were. And lo and behold, as soon as she sat down and her feet touched that floor, she grabbed her feet and she said her feet was burning. Well, guess what? That entity knew at that moment that it was exposed and it lashed out. So I had to perform an exorcism right then and there. You have to be swift on your feet in these situations because that is the one thing that is going to save your life as a demonologist. You know, look, people don't understand how dangerous these things can be. You know, it... This is something that I would not wish upon anybody. And that is why I always tell people whenever they contact me and they think that demonology is so cool. It's not. Think about this. You know, you do battle with these things. And they're like anybody else. You beat them up. You know, you beat them. They are defeated. They want revenge. And they are bound and determined they are going to get revenge on you. So... You know, again, you have to look at energy and how it feeds off of itself. So if you become a point in your life, you know, you go through something personal in your life and you get down on your luck, you know, and you start being negative. Well, guess what? That's the opening they've been waiting for. You know, for a demonologist, it's it's a little bit more complex than inviting something into your life because whenever you decide to stand up against these things and go toe-to-toe with them, well, guess what? You already opened that door. But as a demonologist, you have to be smart enough to know how to keep that door closed to where it can't come in. And the way you do that is, I guess it's kind of like I do, you know, you have to Live your life is like a seesaw, man. You want, you want to keep that seesaw balanced. You don't want it to go one way or the other. You try to keep it balanced. You know, and then again, 
you know, when you're working with, when you're dealing with demonic cases, I work with angels, okay? I work with archangels. I work with Michael. I work with Uriel. I work with Raphael. You know, I literally call upon these things whenever I perform an exorcism or an exorcism or on a home. So that's one way that I protect myself. And the other way that I protect myself is I understand 100% that I am nothing, that I am not the one that's defeating this thing. It is Christ that is defeating this thing. I am just a human vessel to say out loud the words that needs to be said to defeat these things. So what I do is I always visualize what's happening when I'm doing the right or or right of exorcism or deliverance, whatever you want to call it. I prefer to call it a deliverance. I imagine Christ standing beside me. If I move my left arm, he moves his left arm. If I speak, he speaks. So in other words, in my reality, I'm not the one that's doing it. It's Christ that's defeating this dark force. It's not me. And I 100% completely understand that. And the day that I think that I'm all that in a bag of chips, that I'm the one that's doing it, well, guess what? It ain't going to be pretty. So I hope you guys learned something today. Um, again, attachments do not just happen. They have to have an entry point unless they are already bound to a room or an object. Until next time, good day.